holistic physician. I believe that this affects the body, right? I need to be able to offer them some resources. I went looking and found nothing, nothing to help people really specific targeted help for them. So then I began to develop my own methods of helping people in this uh, situation. And that has been the direction in which my practice evolved. The internet has made it easier than ever to start a business. Succeeding on the internet, now that's another story. The big question is, what are those who are succeeding doing differently? This podcast has the answers. Hi, my name is Lisanne Murphy. I've spent the last three years running a successful advertising agency. I noticed with certain clients, I ran into the same problem over and over again. Their offering was just not grabbing the prospect's heart and wrestling them into purchasing submission. Why? Many of these business owners were so far down the road in their journey and so in love with their product, they forgot who they were serving, missing some essential steps along the way. So I'm pivoting focus. Join me as I go behind the scenes with the most brilliant entrepreneur minds to demystify the nitty gritty marketing hacks needed to be successful before spending thousands on advertising that ultimately separate the internet legends from the dreamers. I love all our Marketing Matrix podcast episodes, and today is no different. I cannot wait for you to hear from Dr. Shawnee Fox. She is a holistic physician who works with cancer patient survivors. Her story is amazing. Her methods are inspiring. I cannot wait for you to hear about her life's work. So keep listening. Welcome to the Marketing Matrix Podcast. I'm your host, Lisanne Murphy, and I am joined today by the incredible and talented, amazing entrepreneur, Dr. Shawnee Fox. Shawnee, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, guys, you are seriously in for a super duper treat with this entrepreneur. I want to take a second to introduce her and then give her the time to just blow us away with her story and her experience and her take on the world that she is creating. So, Dr. Shawnee is the author of The Cancer Survivor's Fear First Aid Kit and is a popular speaker, podcast guest, and workshop leader for survivor communities. She has been published in the Huffington Post, Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine, and the peer-reviewed Natural Medicine Journal. Dr. Shawnee invites you to view her free training, Your Path to Freedom, Releasing Fear About Cancer, at her website, which is drshawneefox.com. Okay, I am super excited to hear about um, about what the focus is of, of this. And my guess is that that survival kit has, it's probably all encompassing. I would imagine to have like surviving it mentally, physically, and, and doing everything you can. So I am super excited and welcome. I'm glad that you're still here to share this story. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. So you obviously, you obviously have a story. I mean, like your book is centered around this story. So, so why don't you, for, for those that aren't as familiar with you, I would love for you to just show, like, how did you get to uh, a point where you, you had obviously this health experience and then you're writing about it and now you're going around the world and sharing this message. How did that happen? So just to be clear, I am not myself a cancer survivor. My first encounter with cancer up close and personal was that I lost my father to pancreatic cancer, um, a very devastating experience as pancreatic cancer very often is. Uh, that was uh, quite some time ago before I was in my current profession. But what I learned about that myself at that time was that um, I was the one 
out of all my family and friends, I was the one who was able to accept that experience without any denial. It was what it was, and I met my father where he was, and therefore I, uh, he was able to leave with our relationship very intact. There was nothing that needed to be said anymore because as hard as that experience is, you have advance warning what's gonna happen. So that was something I found out about myself at the time, that I was able to sit with that and be with it just as it is without trying to transform it or deny it. Uh, that was sort of my, my first experience around cancer. Uh, then later on uh, in medical school, I um, was very moved by a panel of cancer patients that I heard speak at a certain point. And I was about halfway through school at that point. And I remember I didn't go to class after that. I went to a stairwell and kind of was in tears and was wondering why did that move me so much? And I realized those are people who are really vulnerable. Those are people who are really vulnerable. They're sort of at a very low point at their lives. And they are at a point where, okay, I'm ready to do anything in order to survive this and really make life the way, life the way I want it to be again. That's a beautiful place to work with people. And so from that point on, I really uh, pointed all my training at working with cancer patients and survivors. And that's what I ended up doing when I came out into medical practice. And then my practice evolved from there in even a further direction, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, you come out of medical school, you treat people's bodies. Um, and as a holistic physician, I had great tools to do that. You know, I do nutrition, I do plant medicine, all kinds of great things that help people recover from cancer. Because remember, Western system is not pointed at that. Western system does treatment, very important. But then once the treatment itself is over, people are out the door and that's it. Everybody who guided them until that point is gone. They're left on their own. So I pick up where the Western medical system leaves off and help people uh, not only restore their bodies, get you know, back you know, fully healed in terms of recovery, but also help them figure out what they're gonna do next because they're terrified. They're terrified at that point. They uh, come out without any guidance, without a hand to hold when they've been in the structured system with hands to hold all over the place. All of a sudden they're left completely on their own. So they really need somebody to turn to, to ask questions of. And what I discovered as I picked that up, when I picked up that work is that, okay, I could get help their bodies get really humming. You know, they, 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 I'm great at helping people recover. But a lot of the people who I helped, their bodies were doing great, but they still didn't feel like they were well. They doubted that they were well. And I realized there was so much going on in the mental emotional sphere that that needed to be addressed. If, if, if nobody took care of that, then the stress that they were experiencing uh, could come back and make them sick again, actually. So, and that's the last thing they want and that we want for them. So I went looking for resources. I said, you know, I'm a holistic physician. I believe that this affects the body, right? I need to be able to offer them some resources. I went looking and found nothing nothing to help people real specific targeted help for them so then i began to develop my own methods of helping people in this uh situation and that has been the direction in which my practice evolved i actually do almost no office medicine anymore i am now a coach and counselor for cancer survivors helping them get through the particular issues and struggles that people face beyond cancer hey this is fascinating i've never heard anything like this before but i mean as you lay that out uh, that totally makes sense. And, and my personal family line has been, has been blessed without cancer genes. And so I haven't been around a ton of people. I mean, it's so, like the people that I know that have experienced cancer, it's like, you know, friends or friends of friends, but you're, I, I can't even imagine the amount of um, mental distortion that happens for someone when they're so sick 
and then all of a sudden they're like magically given this like bill of health and then just come in every every few months to make sure it's still in remission or whatever and you're exactly right like there's got to be this massive PTSD or fear that it'll come back or like wondering like what do you do with this second chance of in life uh so like talk us through the some of the uh the mindset shifts that um that typically people need to go through as they're recovering from from the disease sure so as i said people come out of cancer treatment uh, they've been guided up until that point very carefully in a very structured way. And then all of a sudden they find themselves on their own. So they complete, they, they're very often overwhelmed and they feel extremely vulnerable. You know, they may not even feel very well, literally at that point, because treatment is exhausting. You know, they've got symptoms, they've got, they're exhausted. They, uh, so all, all that physically not great in great shape yet. And they've got a lot on their mind. And the funny thing is, you know, when people finish, for example, chemotherapy, very often there's a celebration, which is fine, you know, balloons and cupcakes and all this. And it's like, you're done. And these people know they're not done. It's like they're just beginning. It's a whole new chapter that they're just beginning and they have no clue, no map, no nothing. So they are worried. They are worried. And then they get out without guidance and they're wondering, you know, it's like, what do I need to do to keep that from happening again? And the, the guidance is very scattered, let's put it that way. People, the, the medical system is trying to get up to speed a little bit on this, but it's limited and it's scattered what, what there is right now. So they need somebody to help them create a, essentially a direction for themselves, a plan of some sort, so that they know what to do in terms of taking care of themselves physically and also to, to, to um, feel whole again. It's not that they're not whole, they are in a certain way, but, but they don't feel it. So we have to make sure that they're internalizing again that they are whole and becoming you know perfect physically and they always were perfect spiritually so so we have to put that all back together so the main issue here is helping people find their center again find the person that they really are and regroup around that person now they've been through a lot of changes so they're going to wonder about that you know people have even lost body parts in some cases so they're going to have a lot of doubts about who they are and am i the same am i different uh, you know what do i do now in this new configuration they have a lot of questions so there's identity issues here um issues of grief and loss depending what's been lost and it may not just be body parts a lot of times relationships are lost in this process so there's been loss and there's grieving that needs to happen and then there's recovery from that grief and how do i go forward as a whole and feeling like a whole and complete person. That is so remarkable. Wow, what, what a need that you're feeling. This is so cool. So, okay, so let, I wanna talk about the transition that happened from your traditional practice to this more alternative coaching type practice. Was it just a natural evolution as um, word of mouth spread about what you were doing and you all of a sudden had more clients on the, uh, survivors side of it or was it like an intentional shift and then you on purpose built that business like how did how did that change happen that's a, that's a good question because it's a little unusual uh so i got started in medical practice um and i would say actually almost from the day i opened the doors on that i got about 50 percent cancer patients and survivors some, some for some reason the universe was bringing me that so that's when i got good at treating their bodies uh, first of all, so I, but I was dealing with this population already. Then, as I said before, I started to realize what was going on for them in the emotional sphere. Um, so about uh, three, four years into that, um, I was doing some personal growth work, which I do fairly consistently. And in that personal growth work, there was an opportunity to be 
to take life coaching training. And for some reason, I was very attracted to this, didn't exactly know why. Maybe at the time it was because I saw that a lot of personal growth could continue even if I was doing training to coach others. Anyway, I went through this course and it wasn't even a month into this course, I realized, oh, so that's why I need to do this. And what was going on is that those tools were becoming very obvious as the tools that I needed in order to guide my patients in this area, as I said before. Mm. You know, I couldn't find resources. I needed to help them in some way. The tools of life coaching, and in particular, the kind of life coaching that I do, which has a very non-sectarian spiritual bent, um, those are very useful in helping people answer existential questions. Why am I still here? Why did my friend die? You know, uh, what's going to happen to me? That sort of thing. So, so it all came together um, almost by accident, just because I followed some breadcrumbs in a direction that I was interested in. Interesting. Okay. So, um, man, this is, this is fascinating. I'm loving this. Okay. So, and, and is your practice currently like a physical location? now or has it moved online or where, where how do you how do you practice it's been online for several years which is very fortunate given the current circumstances yeah uh, like absolutely. i said I, cl- I closed my physical office finally about two years ago um I, I had been doing that but i i decided to move away from that my coaching has always been virtual and so i work uh just like we're working here on, on a video conference and therefore i have uh, you know clients all over the country and in canada new zealand etc so i can reach anywhere and they can reach me which is quite wonderful so yes, that's the form of the practice as it is now. That's cool. So, um, and, and like you say, it's incredibly fortunate. I mean, you didn't shut your practice that long ago. So mm-hmm. for you to just really get established online and then for you know, the world circumstance to be where, where it is, that's, yes. that's really, really remarkable. Um, okay, so a really interesting thing that, that I would love to pull out is that you said that it was your own personal growth with personal development that led you to a key for how to help your your patients in a particular manner. Mm-hmm. Now, with you having a trained traditional medical background, why did you even care about people's post-treatment recovery? Like, I, th- I think most people are probably just like, because they're trained to just shut it off once treatment is done and they just go their own way. Like, what was it about you or about your story or your background that made you care about, about their recovery? Well, well, first of all, I'm a holistic physician, a naturopathic doctor. Um, so my training is a little bit different from the standard Western training. Um, it, it, natural medicine is very cognizant that medicine is both a science and an art. There's, there's two components to it. And I, um, I, I respect the science thoroughly, but I have always had a healthy respect for the art part because every person is different. You know, it's really not like the insurance company model. You know, one person, one condition, one, one uh, set of payments, for example, and one pill. <laughs> you know, the, the, first of all, these were conditions that pills do not address. There is not a pill in the world that addresses fear, right? So there were, there were some problems that were not being addressed even by the best medical models here, and they were significant. So uh, I'm just, by nature, a person who... Uh, is not a band-aid solution person. I, I, you know, if I see something that's really out of whack with the system, I want to see if I can find a way to make the system work better. And so I just delved into what I saw as the need and here we are. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So in what, what was the mental shift that happened for you where you felt comfortable closing your own practice and go 100% online? Like in your mind, was it just about numbers and like you were making a certain amount of income online or was it that, um, like, 
an event pushed you into it and then you had to make it work? Like, well, how did that happen? It was a bit of confluence of events, or let's say the timing was a bit of confluence of events, but the actual motivation was different. A couple of years ago, um, I got to a point in my life where let me just say that the first half of my life, <laughs> I realized that's now in retrospect, I certainly didn't know it at the time. In the first half of my life, I was fulfilling my parents' expectations. I was doing things that I should be doing. And it took quite a lot of work to be able to see that and then make changes uh, accordingly. So that's something I came out of and learned a lot of lessons from. And then a further evolution of that was in the last few years, and I'd already been in business a number of years at this time, I realized, okay, there are parts of my business I really enjoy. And there's parts of my business I'm not enjoying at all. And those can be really wearing. So in general, not just business-wise, but in general, I want my life to be driven by joy. I want to do what's joyful for me because if it's joyful for me, it's going to be joyful for other people. That's where I'm going to do the best work. So I decided I am going to get joy out of my business or else. <laughs> And so I realized that, you know, having come as far as I had along this path, that um, it, it's not that I didn't enjoy doing the physical medicine, but there are other people who really are more into it than I am. Let them do that. They do a great job of it. I have this niche now. I'm one of the only people I know, and probably the only person that I know that does it exactly the way I do it. Let me just dive into this. This is, this is what, you know, there's a need here that needs to be fulfilled. I can do it. Let me just give myself over to this because this is the most joyful for me. And then furthermore, I decided even the business apparatus around that needed to be joyful. I was working with a business coach that year that, that this was happening. And I said to her up front, I said, I'd love to work with you, but here's the condition. I'm only going to do things that are joyful for me. Now, it doesn't mean I don't do some hard work. You know, I'm willing to do that if it's joyful. And I've been doing this ever since, Lizanne. And I, you know, um, <laughs> it's worked. It's worked. My life was a lot happier because I check the joy criterion before I get into anything major that's new. I love that. Okay, so let's let's talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Like, what what is your joy criteria? Well, so in business, for example, you know, there's endless marketing and information out there, right? Do this, do that, the other thing. And by that time, I'd already done, for example, some a, a lot of writing. <laughs> oh my goodness, I did a lot of writing. Unfortunately, I'm a pretty good writer. It comes easily to me, but nevertheless, it's a lot of work. And I, I only find that I can write when I'm in a very creative space. You know, it doesn't happen every day. I can't just sit down and write. So that could be very cumbersome sometimes, although I still do it when I'm joyful about it. I had done some Facebook ads. I had done, you know, all kinds of stuff, website, you know, da, 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 right? So I'd done all kinds of things. Um, and I decided I'm only doing the pieces of this that bring me joy. And in the same year, I discovered podcasting, uh, that is guesting on podcasts. And that is joyful because by this time in my career, I was able to talk about what I do without referring to a lot of notes or making a lot of outlines in advance. You know, I, it, it comes naturally through me now. So getting into conversations with people about this, which I'm passionate about and which I believe does service to people as long as it gets to the right audience, this is a joyful way of marketing for me. So podcasting is, you know, on the rise in my, in my marketing agenda has been ever since. So that's an example of how I do what's joyful and don't spend a lot of my energy on stuff that's not so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So you're, you're picking the, the marketing channels that are more authentic um, yes. to yes. you. Okay, so so let's so let's dive into that a little bit. So um, it sounds like guest casting, which is the term that they that they just used in our in our last session, is that your primary tool for getting your your message out there in your business currently, or like are there other marketing 
uh, tactics or channels that you use? It's certainly one of them and one of the major ones. Like I said, I'm doing more of it now. So it's, it's, it's uh, becoming more important uh, as a marketing tool for me. Um, the other thing that I've done, which I really enjoyed is a year ago or so, I, I established a private Facebook group. You know, I've had a page out there for a very long time. You know, people see it once in a while they respond, but it, it wasn't doing me an awful lot of good marketing wise, but it, I was able to then build behind that a private group called Women Rising Beyond Cancer. And I've really enjoyed that. I think because I enjoy conversation, I enjoy, and you know, being a coach, I really enjoy personal conversation as well. I invite women survivors in to that group. Um, first of all, so they're supported by each other, which is always a valuable thing, but also it gives me the chance to interact with them. You know, I'll ask them what their questions are periodically, or I'll go on and do a Facebook live and, and, and give them some information and then they respond to that. So it's a, it's an informal way without, a huge amount of work on my part. I mean, there's some, but not without a huge amount of work for me to be in personal contact with survivors who may or may not ever be able to afford to work with me, but, you know, gives them a, a chance to um, have some place to be around other survivors and around somebody who, who knows uh, the medical side of it as well. Yeah. I love that. But I love how you're like, you know, Facebook has created this incredible tool tool with the groups to be able to gather mm -hmm. people that are wanting to have a specific type of conversation. So um, are you, do, do, is your primary objective with the group to like gather market insights from the people that you're working with? Or like, or do you use it as a tool to get people on a sales call and then sell them into your coaching? Like how, how do you, how do you use your Facebook group? Both of the ways you just mentioned, um, you know, it's, it's something I, I do get enormous amount of insight, both from my coaching clients and the people that I have there on Facebook. Um, you know, I'll get into little conversations with them. If there appears to be an interesting story there, I, I try to draw them out because I do want to hear what they're dealing with. Um, you know how they say, and I mean, you would know, they say, say in marketing, you always want to use your client's words when you're putting a message out there. Well, that's how I get my client's words. I'm listening uh, to what they say and the way they say it. So it's very valuable for incoming information. Um, but it's also, you know, I don't do sales pitches on there, but if I see somebody really struggling and my sense is that what I do is a match for them, usually what I'll do is private message them. And so behind the scenes, I'll say, you know, I, I do like strategy calls. So I call it clarity conversation. So I'll do a, you know, a free call for anybody who is considering coaching with me because I want to make sure we're a fit. So I'll invite them to a free call. And, you know, I always pledge that they're going to get something out of it, whether or not we end up working together. And that's true. They do get something out of it. So, um, so that's a way I can get in touch with people, you know, and yes, sometimes it turns into clients. It's good that way too. Cool. I love this. This is so good. Okay. And do you work with people one-on-one -on -one or do you do a group coaching or, or how, how does your model work? My coaching is one-on-one. -on -one. I deal with questions that are so uh, private very often and existential that it's really, uh, this is, this is tender stuff. People are very vulnerable. Um, I mean, I, I'm all for support groups for certain purposes, but this sort of stuff, they really, not only do they need a very safe place to express it, but then they need somebody very skilled at handling it. And sometimes in a group, it's hard to hone in on an individual in that manner. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and, and these conversations, because, because they're um, so deep and so personal and often painful, is, is like, are you wired to where that is, that brings you energy to do that and to help them? Or do you have, do you have a specific personal regimen that you do to, uh, recharge because it can be often draining to deal with um, other people's very real pain. Mm -hmm. That's a great question I want you to know. Thank you for asking that. 
Um, I am very good at self-care. I mean, I think even to be a doctor, you have to be very good at self-care. You're around people who are suffering all the time. So you want to make sure that you are, in fact, very intact, as, as intact as you can be. And you've got everything to bring to them. So that, that is true. But more so, this is, this, I would not ever call this draining. In fact, I find it inspiring. Um, you know, I had a real revelation about this like a year and a half ago. Um, I mentioned earlier that, you know, when my father was dying of pancreatic cancer, that I was the one who found out that I could really handle this with equanimity, with serenity, even though it was sad. Um, so that's something I really learned and, and very much internalized about myself at that point in time when, when my father passed away. It's gosh, almost 19 years ago now. Um, so I, I'm clear about that, that I, I can remain strong and unbiased in a situation like that. I don't fall apart. But what I really learned, so here's the interesting thing. When I was 15, my father was nearly killed in an automobile accident. So many years before. And I, all of a sudden, a year and a half ago, realized I could remember myself at 15, standing by myself in a hospital room with my dad in a coma and knowing exactly what to say to him. And I realized, oh, this has always been with me. I was gifted with this. I know how to stand there like an oak tree when things are swirling around in the tornado and just be with the person and say what's needed to be said. The words just come to me. So I, I, I recognize that this is the gift that I have. And um, I'm, just, I'm just given what the universe has given me. So it's not draining at all. It's, it's not even coming from me. It's coming through me. Mm. Does that make sense? Sorry to be woo-woo, but that's the way it is. <laughs> no, it's great. I, I myself am, a, am an incredibly spiritual individual. So, mm -hmm. so um, yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm religious as well, but I, mm -hmm. um, I, I get that. I get that mm -hmm. very much. So yeah. um, that is, that is incredible and powerful. And, and I love like how, how we've pulled out in this conversation together that you have these natural gifts and abilities but you've also worked really hard to get the skill set and the education to pair those two together to bring immense value to those that come into your world and, and receive your help. It's really, that's really remarkable. Thank you. So, um, okay. So let, let's, let's go back to um, the marketing piece for just a moment. Um, so can you share with us an insight that you had about, so like if we're calling your market is um, people post uh, cancer. Uh, I don't know what the appropriate term is, but like survivors, cancer survivors. survivors. Okay. So, um, what is a market insight that you've received about them from a conversation you've had in your Facebook group recently? Hmm. Yeah. Pardon me while I just digest that for a moment. Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, sometimes it takes me in a new direction. So for example, you know, much of the time I'm dealing with their fears and that, that is a lot of the bread and butter of this work. But, you know, it wasn't so long ago that somebody came in uh, very stressed out because she has three siblings and none of them seem to understand. Unfortunately, this woman has metastatic cancer. So it's going to be, it, it has been with her and it's going to be with her. She's under heavy treatment. Um, but for some reason, her, her siblings don't, they, after she went through her first chemotherapy treatment, it was over. These, these guys don't get that she's still got cancer. And they're, they're, they're wondering, you know, come on, buck up, you know, what's going on here? They absolutely have no sensitivity to this whatsoever. And so she's, 
she, which where she was is she kind of had to cut them off because she couldn't take it anymore. And yet that leaves her very alone and vulnerable. So I, I recognized, oh, there's a whole new aspect here that I've never, I hadn't until that point really delved into, which was damaged relationships. Damaged relationships. This is a source of great pain for people. Or even if the relationship is still there, the fact that people, family members, for example, just don't get it, you know, and they may mean well, but they're giving advice that's not really wanted or they're, you know, they're not striking the right tone in terms of sensitivity. So there's all kinds of issues in the relationship sphere. And I realized, oh, okay, this is another area that I can work on and do workshops on with people and coaching. So I, just by listening to what was bothering people, I realized I could expand my, the scope of what I offer uh, in a new direction. Okay. That is seriously so good and so gold. So, and here's, here's an interesting insight that I had as you were saying that. So, um, when you were first telling your story, honestly, I thought you were going to go down the direction that you help the, um, people that are closest to the cancer survivors. Hmm. And, and this is probably why, why my mind is in, is in this, is in this path. So my, my grandmother recently just had a shoulder replacement surgery. And even though she's the one that went to the surgery and I'm not taking away from her recovery, like, but like the whole family went into surgery, like the last two weeks yes. we have been taking turns, um, being with her every night because like she has severe arthritis in her other shoulder and, and it, it was her dominant arm that was operated on. I mean, so she's like for all intents and purposes, like almost paraplegic with her arms. Like she needs help with every regular function that we take advantage of. And so like the entire family had surgery, even though like she's the one that physically went under the knife. And um, I imagine that there's just an equally amount of um, uh, mental games that especially children of survivors go through of, of like, you know, like how long is my parent going to be around and are they here to stay and are they okay to engage with, or are they too fragile and too tired, you know, and like reestablishing that relationship afterwards. Um, I just, I think that is such a cool insight. And honestly, like when you first were talking, I thought that was the direction you were going to, you were going to go is, is with those relationships. Gotcha. Well, first of all, how blessed your grandmother is to have all of you. <laughs> Not that every is so survivor true. of anything has, has that much support. So that's quite wonderful to hear. Um, I have at times worked with the, the people closest to the survivor. Um, sometimes the survivor will ask that they work with me. Uh, sometimes they'll come on their own. Sometimes it's the grieving uh, spouse who's lost somebody. Uh, so I have worked with all of the above, actually. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, my main marketing is to survivors themselves, but I, that, that comes in here and there. Yeah. And so it's the, it's the flip side of all the issues that I mentioned, you know, I, the, the fact that I get the survivor side, I, I've, I've done enough work and, uh, research to really understand the issues that they're dealing with that helps me deal with the people around them as well. And so, yes, uh, I don't know exactly how that came to me when it did, but it's, yes, I, I do that kind of work as well. I love that. That is so seriously so special. Okay, so I always ask um, all of my guests this question, and I would love to get your take on it based on your experience. And the question is this, what small marketing strategy or tactic has made the biggest difference in your business and why? And it could be something that we've already mentioned and talked about or something different. Well, the biggest impact, are we talking about financial impact here? It could be financial, uh, but uh -huh. um, it, just whatever has impacted your business the most, it could be what brought in the most quality clients. It could be what brought in the most revenue either, either way. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Well, clients and revenue often go together. So uh, I, I, I can, one thing that I can point back to is when, so back around 2013, when I finally claimed this niche and decided I was going to go start working, you know, primarily with survivors, um, I did something which I had resisted for a very long time. <laughs> I joined Toastmasters. I have always had a certain amount of stage presence, but I wasn't a skilled speaker. I, I, and certainly in retrospect, I can see that. But even at the time, I knew that I had what to learn. And not only did I join Toastmasters, but when, when you do that, they, they tell you, go around the area, look for a group that particularly is, it seems to fit for you. And the reason I hadn't joined Toastmasters is because I didn't understand the model. You know, there's no leader in Toastmasters. It's like peers teaching each other. And I was thinking, well, where's the expert? How do I know what to aspire to? Well, I, the very first group that I actually went to, and it was only because I had a friend in there, was Toastmasters for speaking professionals. So these were people who had a lot of experience beyond what I had. And so even if they weren't literally teaching speaking, they were going to be able to role model what I needed to know. And I went in there and basically fell in love with it. Um, saw for the first meeting that was going to give me a lot of value. And I used to say, this is where I go uh, when I want to get scared every week. <laughs> I mean, it, it took me a while, you know, and I, and, you know, I worked my way up too, you know, and, it was, and I, I learned a lot by, by, after four years, I was, you know, winning contests and doing very well with it, but not at the beginning. So um, Toastmasters gave me the ability to speak compellingly in public. And that became very useful because then I began to develop live workshops and I took those out to, you know, support foundations and whatever, you know, speaking at luncheon, doing educational sessions, all that sort of thing. And I, well, of course, not in time of COVID, we don't do that live anymore. But at, that, at the time I was doing all those you know, speaking engagements, live workshops, and, you know, one day I'll go back to that. But meanwhile, we can do these things online as well. So the, the ability to speak well in public and really make sure that people were getting the points that I was trying to convey. I think that's probably made the biggest difference because it made a difference to my um, public presentations live. It made a difference to my ability to write. You know, I became a much better storyteller at that time. So even my blog posts improved a lot. Um, everything, e even sometimes the way I deal with a client, you know, I'm a better storyteller in my coaching sessions too, when that's applicable. So Toastmasters made a difference on every level of my business communications. And, you know, once I was out doing live workshops, I brought in clients, you know, so I mean, there was a financial impact there. So I think that's probably the one thing that I did that had ramifications all over my business. That is so fascinating. Okay. So, and so, and, and even beyond like Toastmasters, but just the principle there being public speaking skills or yes. storytelling skills. Mm -hmm. um, that, we haven't had that answer yet. And I love mm -hmm. it. That's so good. It's so, so, so good. Okay. So um, this is, this is my other question that I always ask every guest and I'm very mm -hmm. excited because of your background to get your answer to this one. So what has been the greatest internal transformation that you've experienced in your entrepreneurial journey? Internal transformation. Well, I, I mean, in the type of work that I do, I get a lot of insights, you know, from my clients all the time, but I think, um, hmm. I think probably the greatest one, I mean, the one that was most surprising to me because of the way I grew up and, you know, the way I was in school and the, but also it's been very valuable is this, you know, when, after all, when you're a business person, you know, you need to turn a profit. 
Otherwise, it's not making sense. And I struggled to do that for the longest time. And especially in a, in a business that nobody's heard of and doesn't, you know. So, so I, it really takes a lot for me to you know, get my message across that there is something like this out there for people. But I think in terms of the business part of it, um, what I learned is that abundance comes not so much when you work hard, but when you get out of your own way. I had to learn to get out of my own way, to drop a lot of stress. You know, I come from a money-triggered family, like many of us do. So I grew up with a lot of those things, and I was carrying them forward, not knowing. And I, I started to recognize where my triggers were and to let go of the stress around it and trust, just trust that if I showed up in a way that really benefited the world, the, the money will follow behind. So that was huge for me. That it was just mm. about being and not about doing. Mm. Oh man, I could like make like three t-shirts of the quotes you just said in the last <laughs> few, few, few seconds. That's Ooh, so business. good. So um, I, I would love for you to take about one to two minutes to, to speak into a little bit more of what it means to get out of your own way from your yeah. perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it came from a little story. Uh, long story short is... I found myself in a position once to start raising money for a cause that was very inspiring to me and I'd never done it before. And so it's like, okay, well, what do you do? By the way, this was the New York city ballet who was doing, um, I'm a dancer and the New York city ballet was doing, they've done workshops for kids for decades, but they took on doing workshops for kids with cerebral palsy. Can you imagine dance for kids with cerebral palsy? An incredible goal. Um, but I, I found out they were doing that. I couldn't believe that I was so inspired and I, I, I decided that I wanted to raise money for them. So bottom line is, it's like, okay. They, they wanted, at that time, they were looking for $25,000 to expand a program. So I said, okay, well, what can I do about this? Well, you know, somebody said to me, somebody with fundraising experience, said, start a GoFundMe page. Okay, great. I did. That was not hard to do. And of course, you send it around to your family and friends and I got a few donations and that's great, you know. But then after a few days, that dries up. It's like, okay, well, what do you do next? I said, oh, okay, well, I guess I could write thank you notes to those people and ask them to share this on social media. That will get out there farther, okay. And I guess some of them did because then I started receiving donations from people who I didn't know. So that was great. And then I realized, okay, what else can I do? So I, I was connected at the time with two significant spiritual communities. And so I reached out to them and I said, here's the story. Here's the link. Would you be interested in sharing this on your social media? And of course they have thousands of people in their communities. So we did that. And two days later, two days later, um, in comes $2,000 from an anonymous donor. And I realized, okay, the universe has got the signal now. Just my taking consistent action and not be moaning, oh, where did the money go at any stage? but just keep moving forward, moving forward. What can I do next? What can I do next? So by not getting emotional and stressed about it, but just taking consistent action, the money was showing up. So bottom line is I ended up raising $12,000 of the, of the 25,000 they wanted to. And I even had the privilege of taking that check to New York to hand them that check. And they were extremely gracious and, and were very grateful to receive it. But here's the end of the story. I was, um, two days later, I received an email from them. Thank you so much for your generous donation. We are so grateful for this. And by the way, 
one of our regular donors got word of your project and matched it dollar for dollar. And so there they had now just about the entire budget that they wanted. And that last stage, I didn't ask for, I would not have known how to ask for it. And yet it happened. So once, once the universe gets that you are consistent, that you are committed, that you're taking action as best you know how towards a goal, and just staying in the game, it starts to do its part. And it brings in abundance, you know, like, woohoo, <laughs> it's like, where did, you know, that, that coincidence that you never could have predicted. So that, that was the, the incident that showed me that it's really about how I am. If I get resentful, if I get stressed, it's not gonna happen. But if I stay out of my own way and just leave the universe to do the rest of the work, I make my contribution, it makes its, and the result is beyond what. Well, oh, that, that is straight gold. That is powerful. I love, love that story to illustrate that principle. Oh man, so good. Okay, well, Dr. Shani, it has been a pleasure having you. How can people reach out to you? I mean, my audience is, is pretty broad and I'm sure we have um, some, some people that, are, that, that can either be a part of your community or refer someone who would, who would, be, who would love your community. So how do people find you? How do they, how do they get in touch with you and, and everything you're doing? Yeah, thank you for that. Yes, unfortunately, all of us know somebody with cancer. Um, my website is drshanifox.com, D-R-S-H-A-N-I-F-O-X.com. Uh, there you'll find a free training on uh, reducing fear of recurrence. You'll find a quiz that you can take, how well are you after cancer? Um, and there's also a Facebook. You can find me on Facebook as well. I am Cancer Survivor Duck on Facebook. Uh, and from there, you can get into my, if you are a survivor, actually, you can get into my private group, Women Rising Beyond Cancer. I love it. Well, we're going to put the links to all those in the episode notes so you can find them there or you can go to the website immediately uh, that, that Dr. Shawnee mentioned. Uh, guys, this has been an epic, epic episode and it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Marketing Matrix to share. Th thank you, Dr. Shawnee, for sharing your, your heart, your story, your experience and, and being vulnerable and honest and sharing your gifts. It has seriously just been an absolute treat having you on the show today. It's my honor and pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for this bonus episode of the Marketing Matrix podcast. Next week, we'll return to our regular scheduled episodes. In the meantime, we always want to continue the conversation about marketing over in our Facebook group, Facebook ads for coaches, course creators, and lifestyle e-com brands. Hop on over, guys. We do free trainings every single week. Join us at facebook.com slash groups slash fbadninja. Also, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast to catch all the gold every single week. All right, guys, see you next time.